This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Firminger, and today I am so excited to share part two in our two-part interview with Lauren Cardinal. Look for part one in your podcast feeds. I want to jump a little bit back in the timeline because somebody's listening to this and they're going to try to figure out how you ended up being who you are. We've gone from a news news photographer Mm -hmm. and then to to you doing this play in Toronto. And we still haven't addressed how, how you got to be in the BFA program at the University of Alberta, you know, and, and I'm, what I'm very curious about is, you know, this, this, the idea that you were the first Indigenous student to, to receive a BFA degree, like what, like being the first, you know, I, I'm assuming can be um, exciting, and terrifying, you know, because then you realize that, oh, I'm going to go into a career where there aren't many other people who, who look like me who have gone this specific path, you know? So I'm just, I'm, I'm curious, like, can you talk to me about your time at, at the U of A and, and you know, what it, what it means to be the first, what it meant mm-hmm. to be the first? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just go back a, a little bit and say how, how I got into the BFA was kind of a, a, a journey. <laughs> I was trying to use a word that I can't think of it, so I'm not going to even try. But um, are you going to say so, circuitous route? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to say. Yeah. So uh, um, I was in Edmonton as a yeah. So the newspaper dried up, and then I w- I tried freelancing as a photographer for a while, and then that went okay, but not enough to pay the rent. And then I teamed up with a photographer who took me on as his assistant. And it was very interesting. We did some interesting projects, but then also we were shooting food for the IGA ad, paper ad. So we would shoot the, the food that you would see in the, in the, the, the dollar show. In you know, the all circular, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so, a so, living, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, we're working late at night because we got to get this done. And I'm lighting packaging. I'm lighting food. I'm going, yeah, I think I've come to the end of the road here. And then... Uh, uh, the, the person I was, uh, I was with. You can't find a, a humanity in a jar of dill yeah. pickles. Yeah. yeah. You can make it, how can I make this look handsome? <laughs> Talk to me. Talk to me. And it's like, nah, it's not working. And it's then we had to fit juice. it in a certain frame too. So we had to do math. And I was just like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not doing math. No, no. <laughs> you do it. I'm not pleasing. A little left, little right, little, you know. Um, so I uh, uh, ended up moving to Kamloops. Um, and, uh, I was, and I moved there with my skills as a photographer, darkroom technician into Kamloops, which at the time had 17% unemployment in the town. 
And oh. it was like, okay, so they're not going to need <laughs> a photographer and darkroom technician. No. So um, there was a college up the hill, Caribou College. And, uh, and I went, hmm, I'll go exercise my treaty rights and go for some post-secondary education. Yeah. So I walked up to the office and I grabbed a, 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 ca a catalog of their classes and I went through it and I went, mm, this looks good. That, I had no idea of prerequisites and programs. Like I never went to a, a career counselor or anything like that. I just, just took a bunch of classes that interested me, English, science, uh, sports history. Uh, you know, fill up the cal fill up a year to go to school and and then oh look introduction to acting ah. easy credits i thought <laughs> easy credits so i took that and then that's and and then basic stuff how to do these drills we're doing these roll downs and <laughs> ah all those kind of things yeah. and you are a bowl of fruit <laughs> uh, kind of like okay yeah this is fun <laughs> yeah nice uh, very fun. And then we did some monologues in front of each other. And, uh, and then they had a, a project of uh, one-act plays. And you had to audition for these one-act plays. So I auditioned. And then I got cast in the show I didn't audition for because all the directors, because it's college, right? So all the directors, the three directors are auditioning all the same people and they pick who they want for their particular shows, right? right. So... So they, they cast me in this one show and I was kind of nervous, but my, my instructor I had, Dr. David Edwards, was so passionate about, he was an actor from Louisville, Kentucky. He played with, he, he, he got his training down there. So he's just like, he had a back injury, that's why he couldn't do it. So uh, he couldn't act anymore. So he was like this incredibly passionate drama teacher. And just everything he did and explained, and he just got me excited. And then I did, did this one-act play. And my first, um, my first scene in front of an audience in this that actually paid to come and see us, uh, I played Sam, the stove repairman in the, uh, Roberts and Davies' uh, Voice of the People, a one-act play that he wrote. And I was... And the show opens up with me, this kitchen setting, dining, little dining room table, and me behind the stove, I'm the stove repairman, and all you see are my legs. So I'm, I'm, I set myself behind in the black. I've got my, the, the stove is totally like, all the guts are taken out of it, so there's nothing under there except the shell of the stove, right? And uh, so the, the lights came up, and uh, the, they see my legs, and there's nothing, and I'm terrified. And so I just do, I just do a little leg thing because of my nerves. So I just straighten out my leg, and then I got there was a chuckle. Mm. <laughs> I went, oh, and so I just grabbed the stove with a pair of pliers I had because then I did some banging around, and then I grabbed the stove, and uh, and then I gave it a good shake that it moved by itself, and then there was a big laugh, and then I felt totally comfortable. Then we did the rest of the show, and it was fantastic. I was so in the show, I didn't even notice the audience. I, they became invisible because hmm. I was just worried about my, I was just focused on my character and, and being my guy that I had to be. And I came in, I was just, so the audience didn't exist for me. Yeah, even though they just, unlocked something for you right yeah, at the beginning. Exactly, exactly. And, and, then, and then when we were doing our curtain call, I had that epiphany where the, the room went really long and it started wavering and shimmering kind of thing around the edges of my vision. And I think it's kind of shimmered. And I looked and I was just, and I just felt so grounded and calm. And I went, mm. this is it. This is what I'm meant to do for the rest of my life. 
okay, next question. I went to my teacher. How do I make a living at doing this? <laughs> the eternal question. I love this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love this. How do I do this yeah. for a living? And professionally. And he said, he said, all I can tell you is do, you know, you have the passion, you have the talent, just get the best training that you can find. And I went, okay. And then that took me to the University of Alberta. I was in the education program first. I did two years of an education degree. I was going to be a, uh, a high school teacher. I was going to teach uh, drama and social studies. Canadian history was my Canadian history was my major. Drama was my minor. Yeah. And uh, so I so I was doing that for two years, and then in my drama program, oh, and I did a community theater play at the Walterdale Theater in Edmonton. Uh, I did the Ecstasy of Rita Joe, and I played, and I played. Uh, uh, I can't even remember his name now. Augie's part. Augie's part from the yeah, one that I, I did with yeah, Chief Dan Yeah, the young George. angry man. Yeah. yeah. So I did that in Edmonton, and people came to see it. And some of those people were the head of the drum program at the U of A, Tom Tom Peacock, and some other teachers came and they saw it and they spotted me, and then. Um, and I had no technique, nothing. I was just working on rage and instinct. And mm -hmm. uh, that seemed to work until I blew up my voice in the second, second week. Yeah. I, just, I, I stopped talking during the, middle, during the day and saved it for the little bit I had in the evening because <laughs> I had no idea what I, the hell I was doing. So uh, when I was doing my education degree, I was in, in my theater, minor theater, one of my theater classes was production. So I was hanging lights in the black box space yeah. where all the BFA actors use in the day. And, and uh, BFA was going out. We came in and hang lights for our project. And uh, I was hanging the light and Tom Peacock came up and shook the ladder I was on. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I looked down and here's this, this old white guy gruff and he's going, hey, did you get your application in the BFA? Went, uh, no. He said, well, you better hurry. We close next week. But, uh, you know, hurry up. And if you have a problem, come see me. I went, oh, okay. And I looked down to my scene mate, or my guy I was working with, I guy, who was that? And he goes, he's the head of the BFA program. And I went, oh, that's cool. And he goes, yeah. And he didn't even say hi to me, and I auditioned three times. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I went, oh, sorry about that, but. <laughs> So that's what I did. then I, I, I put in my application and uh, did the most. They have an incredible, incredible audition process they go through. And it was, I've never auditioned like that in my life. So it was, uh, it was quite something. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you have to wear ballet slippers and tights and dance belts and really, and as I'd never had a dance belt before. And I was like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> this is not right. <laughs> oh. Well, you got to act natural. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, not, not cool. Then you go in, uh, you have your audition, your song, you have prepare a monologue and a song. And then in the thing, you'll be asked to do a movement improv and then a scene improv and then sit and answer questions from this uh, table of four of your instructors in the BFA that are watching you. Voice, dance, movement. Yeah. Very intimidating, I Not would imagine. Not intimidating at all, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, okay. And uh, I was doing, a, and, and I knew this was just a, a foreshadowing of what was going to come when I did get in, was uh, in my movement uh, improv, uh, the guy was a ballet teacher and, uh, and very ballet trained and very short on patience. 
And he was <laughs> taking me through this movement thing and up, down, heel, toe, step, step. And I was like, ah. And I'm, I'm, my head's down, looking up, trying to get my, willing my feet to work to get the rhythm of this, you know. And, uh, and he's going, head up, head up, you know. You don't, you don't ever, you know, you never look down. You never look down. And I said, well, I don't know where you come from, but when I go for a walk in the bush, I'm always looking down because I don't want to trip over something and break my leg, you know. So it's kind yeah. of ingrained in, in, in the other people were like, oh, oh, yeah. And he said, okay, well, head up, head up. And like, oh, okay. So it's going to be everybody, like that. Everybody who was auditioning you was white? Like, was it was it pretty much like an uh, all-white program, all-whites? Pretty like, much, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. There wasn't a lot of, a lot of good. There was, uh, in my, in previous years, yeah, there was uh, Mieko Ochi, who was, uh, who was uh, Japanese, and uh, uh, a few people like that, but no indigenous people. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of any uh, indigenous actor of color who's, who's gra- graduate before I got there. Um, there may have been, but I don't, I don't know. And then but, you were uh, the, and then you were the first... I, I got in Never. on the waiting list. Yeah, I got in on the waiting list. They put me on a waiting list, and uh, and then somebody did drop out because it's a three year commitment. Yeah. And and people from and they audition all across Canada, and there's over over three over I don't know how many applicants you know twelve hundred applicants across the country, and they go audition, and then they pick make their pick for for ten ten students. Wow. For the three-year program, so yeah. it's very intense, and it's and it's all classical. They teach you how to speak, how to read, how to text, how to sing, how to dance, combat, stage combat, uh, scene study, accents. Uh, uh, yeah, and then you do a play, one play in your first season or in your first year, uh, a second play in the second half of the semester, and then when you're in second year, you do three plays. And then it's all about preparing your characters and research for those plays as you, and then your training becomes more specific yeah. to the play requirements and stuff. But it was, it was incredible, a lot of work. Yeah. And um, I got picked and, and the, my class was, was great. They were all fantastic, fantastic human beings. I was the oldest in that class. I was 20, I was 26. I was 26 yeah. when I, when I uh, put myself and I, and I and I was I wanted the training. I knew I needed technique, so that's what I was after, and that's what I I knew I needed to have a long career yeah. as technique and craft. And um, my first, yeah, my first year, I, I got a call from uh, my agent and saying there's this new TV series and they want you to read for one of the lead parts. And I was kind of oh great, when are they shooting? They said well from you know January to March or something. And I said oh I can't do it. Yeah. They go, no, no. And they got really, you know, trying to get pushy to lead. And I said, yeah, I don't care. I'm, I'm in this program. I'm not going to miss this program for that. Yeah. And so they said, oh, okay. So they went away and the show was North of 60. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, you got to do yeah. it eventually. Exactly. Exactly. You got to do I, got, it. I got my training and then I got to be on the show. And my yeah. first time on the show was with Augie Schellenberg. So we just kind of, was, oh. then we started, I played the drunk card player number one the first time. That was my title in the thing, a drunk card player number one. <laughs> I, like, oh. You know, that, that does make me wonder though, because, you know, you, you say that you were, I mean, it, it's evident, you were the first Indigenous student ever to receive a BFA degree in acting um, mm. from U of A. You know, like, what was the... What, what what kind of roles like what kind of career did you want for yourself you know once you started yeah. going going into it and and like what what 
what kind of like what kind of roles were you auditioning for at the beginning of your career? Because, you know, I, I know right now, I know that indigenous people have always been storytellers, have always mm-hmm. been creating. You know, we're going through this wonderful moment right now where they're getting a lot more money and, and you know, acclaim, you know, um, and, and, you know, the settler establishment respect you know but uh you know they're not at that point i'm assuming not a lot of indigenous people in writers rooms or in you know producers roles you know so i'm just i'm curious about you know at the beginning of your career um what what you were reading for and and what you wanted yeah what what i wanted well like when i was in theater just uh, I wanted what I wanted, what I had in, in university. I, I, I told, cause we'd get these interview sessions and they'd ask, they'd berate you with your performance or you're not doing this well, you know, and they'd grade you. And if your grades weren't up to snuff, they would, they would let you go. Ooh. Right. If your performance, if your work wasn't up, up to snuff, they would, they would, they would expel you from the program saying, you know, it's not working. So that was always a, a threat over that loomed over everybody everybody so we always dreaded these uh assessment times we did them i think twice a semester or something like that so it was like here we go and, oh man but, uh, I, I always went in there and i was always i was asking them questions which some people didn't like uh you know you should worry about this program instead of asking us what we're doing and i said well when i get on a bus i like to know where this bus is going mm. <laughs> That's my thinking. So are we going to do this? Um, because I, before I got into the U of A, I, I, did a, I got hired to do my first professional theater show out in Vancouver. And uh, it was called Gaia Segal, written by a, a playwright, Alison McAlpine. And it was about how these artifacts in a museum come to life. So it was a clown show. It was a very uh. pachinko clown. And so I spent two months getting clown training and mass training and body work and like... And that just sparked me like incredible. I said, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. This is what I love doing. Tumbling around, being a clown, being an innocent and telling this story of these artifacts, the, the true story of contact with Columbus, you know? So we had fun with that. Then we toured to, uh, we did the show at the, uh, the new museum of civilization. I don't know what they're calling it these days, but the museum of civilization, that beautiful building, Doug Cardinal designed. But the one uh, Ottawa that, hall, that, that one there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a there's a beautiful building. theater in the back. That's not used enough, but it was, we did our show there and it was just phenomenal. And it was the first time, uh, these artifacts. And we had a scene in there about one of the guys playing a priest and we kind of, uh, intimated what, because one of the guys was playing a small boy as well. Oh, yeah. and so we had this little scene that was very suggestive. And, uh, and after, we, we realized that there were a bunch of, uh, uh, there was a Kenyan delegation who came to see some theater and came in to see our show. And they totally got it. Yeah. And then our connection was colonization. Mm. So they had their stories, and it was very similar to our stories as well. So we were able to con- talk with them, and they knew, they got the story, and they were laughing because they understood what we were doing, the satire yeah. we did. And then I got a call, I was in the BFA. So when I went to the BFA, I was going like, let's do some mask work, let's do some clown, let's do some this. And they go like, uh, have you got your textbooks? I went, textbooks? <laughs> for, <laughs> for what? Uh, for speech. What? <laughs> We're gonna learn? And so it was just a whole, I had to do a whole radical mind shift of, okay, now we're doing emotions from a book and just 
analytically uh, dissecting scenes and stuff, a, a very clinical approach of thinking that I, I don't normally dwell in. So it was, yeah. it was a learning experience, how, how, to, how to shift, how to learn, learn this way as opposed yeah. to the way I was doing. Yeah, but, but we're holding on to, to who you are. Exactly. I would take that and, and, and I would take that stuff I'd learned previous and put it into, I'd sneak it into what I was doing and they'd go, no, 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 you have to do it. Like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. But I'd always, and then, and then in my interviews, I would say, are we going to do any clown? And they're going, uh, what, what? And every time I'd, are, are we doing clown this year? It, wow, okay. If you if you want a clown class, then you have to you should organize it yourself. And I said, oh okay. So I found a woman in Edmonton, Jan Henderson, who's pachinko clown, the same training I had, and she's yeah. got this. She's like a, a clowning genius. So I phoned her up and I said, hey, can you can you do a weekend workshop for a bunch of us BFA actors? And she said, I would love to. So she so I we picked a weekend. I put up a poster. We had a good mix of first, second, and third year students. Uh, there were like nine of us, 10 of us that did this weekend intensive workshop of clown. Yeah. And then the other instructors noticed these 10 people came in for the, for the next uh, projects. They came in and they said, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden these people are doing these crazy things and they're doing some, mm -hmm. so they noticed uh, an effect on the work that we were doing. They were going, it must have been oh. very empowering for you. It um, was because I knew uh, I knew it would what it does. I knew what that type of training can do for actors instead of approaching it from a cerebral uh, context and working your way in and then trying to connect to emotions through a uh, you know a cerebral type way. That's one way of working. It's not, in my opinion, not the best way. It doesn't have the true connection that you're looking for. It doesn't have the truth. Yeah. It has a sense of uh, planned truth, like a planned rehearsal, like a planned improv. Yeah. You know, it doesn't ring true. Yeah, it doesn't so, ring yeah, true. It's almost, it's almost there, but there's something missing, and that's a humanity. And that's what this other body training stuff brings in, is that spark, that spark that spreads to the audience as yeah. well. You but know, they, you know, it, they react to it. The roles, though, have they changed over time? Like, as, as far as, especially as being, you know, like you're, you're talking, so you graduated in 1993. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, where are we talking about, um, you know, the, like the f film and television industry specifically, you know, it's in a lot of ways, it's kind of a different beast than, than theater. A yeah. um, lot more corporate driven, a lot more... Yeah. White, right? And, you know, yeah, and so yeah. I'm just business. curious, you know, and it's business, but then there's also, you know, that's why stereotypes of, of, you know, like this, they're, they're, I mean, I've had people on the show who I've had Omari Newton here talking about, you know, the first roles that he was ever offered for were, you know, the thug this and, you know, gangsta yeah. that, and that he just, he won't, unless there's like a human being in that character, uh, yeah. now he won't do those kind of roles yeah. anymore. But luckily, you know, there are more, more uh there's more diverse writing writers yeah. rooms now so it's 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 different and we demand so, more so like can you tell it, me about the change you've seen yeah of course so when when i when i had was in theater school my my big plan was to to play richard the third somewhere in the world to play you know uh iago because he's mm -hmm. got all the good parts yeah right you know everyone says othello and i go no you read it you look at iago he's the guy 
that you want to play. He's yeah. the challenge, you know, he's the, so I wanted to do that without, without, you know, uh, natifying everything, you know, you know, you do a shake, Oh, it's indigenous theme. So let's send it in a band office. And it's like, uh, no, let's, let's just do the Shakespeare. Let's just do it. Like they do it in Stratford. Let's do it, you know, without any, any notice. We have to, don't have to give notice of color or, or, you know, heritage. We don't have to address it. Yeah. Speak the words. And and the the audience will come for the ride. Don't underestimate the audience. You know, and a lot of people do that. Um, so yeah, I did. I did all a lot of my first auditions, theater and 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 film and TV were all indigenous characters, all indigenous. You know, oh, we don't. And I said, well, if you got, uh, have they got a? Are, are there? How come I can't audition for the show? Oh, they don't have a native character. Do they have a character who's like my age? Yeah, is he male? Yeah, then I can do it. You're like oh 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 so I, I and I've told my my agents I'm with I've been with Lucas Talent for since I was in theater school I because Richard is a uh, an alumnus as well so oh like, okay. yeah so he he agreed to rep me when I was in my third year still he he said yeah okay we'll look after you and I'm like oh awesome I have an agent wow and um, so we had conversations about what I wanted to do and, and then making sure that, you know, that it's not just indigenous, but realizing the reality is that I have to do those roles if I want to work. I have to create a base of work. And the only way to do that is to do what's offered because no one no one wants to take a risk. There's no one out there who will take a risk on an unknown to, for a, to carry a lead series or something. Mm-hmm. It's just like few and far between who will take that risk based on talent and just ability. And so... As it progressed, then it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, start to um, get tired of it. I get tired because then, because uh, I have my level of training and then I get, you know, I do plays with people who are just beginning and just, and they're looking up to you as the professional, as the experienced person, they learn, they learn, and then they don't, there's no one that, that rises up to your level of experience and, and, uh, and you know craft to challenge you to push back on you so i've I've got nowhere to go i've got i can't push myself so i've started i've i've been saying no to a lot of things because i'm looking for stuff that'll push me i'm I'm being greedy being selfish and going i want to work with veterans i want to work with seasoned professionals who know their game you know um and be pushed. I want to do stories that are challenging. That's why Henry's heart comes to mind. Mm. Uh, when I first heard that story, it, it, it piqued my interest because I also have family that were that were veterans in World War II, and and so there's stories there that I connect to. And this, you know, Henry being, you know, and and it's a love story. It is. And it's, it is, and it's and it doesn't matter if it's man with man or man with woman. It's love. And if you're dealing in that energy and that story, there's, you know, you open that up and it's, and it's, that's what it's about. That's what the passion is there is his life's passion his life's, you know, and then working with the actors in that one are just incredible because they were, you know, Jane or Jen is, uh, is, is brilliant. Jen McLean Angus. Yes. She's she's just, she reminds me of a young Juliana Moore, you know, just uh, the same the same energy and just smarts and just talent and passion. So we had, you know, great work. And I love that because it brings, it forces me to go further. And that's what yeah. I want. I want to, I want to become that, you know, uh, actor who can do an inc- incredible range from romantics to lead to violence, 
yeah. <laughs> and places in between. I can do those things, but I just, you know, looking for those chances. And that's what, you know, Corner Gas was a blessing because we never made a fact that Davis was Cree. Mm-hmm. You know, we said it once and they wanted me to say, I'm a native man. And I went, no, I'm not saying that. Go, no, write it. And the writers came out and said, no, it's written there. And I said, no, it's written there. I'm not saying it. Going, why? Why? And, it's, and I said, because I identify as a Cree man. I don't call myself a native man. I'm Cree. I'm Nehiel. That's who I am. That's who my people are. So I'm not going to, and that's who Davis is. Davis says, if we're going to do anything with Davis, we're not going to, you know, try and ignore the fact that he's Cree. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do one take with that in there. Wow. And they, and they tried to cajole me some more. And I said, okay, well, let's do another one then. They said, okay, good. And they went, went back and I said, Cree man again. And they went, okay, we'll move on. And they yeah. Went, yeah. Well- yeah, let's move on. Because yeah. you're educating them as well. I, I'm glad, I mean, I didn't even have to do my segue into Corner Gas. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're talking about a show that had six seasons and and a movie. And now, I mean, I kind of think of like the animated series that we're in like season nine now yeah, in some ways, yeah, you know, because yeah. you get to keep going on. But, you know, what was so great about, uh, what is so great about Corner, Corner Gas um, and what I imagine is so great is that you know, there might be a lot of people in this country who who don't who don't have any any indigenous friends who don't or you know don't mm-hmm. interact, and yet they, especially back then, but they got to know Davis, and Davis got to be you know their friend, right? You know, yeah, or somebody yeah. that they're rooting for, and be like, oh no, he didn't do that. You know, so I'm just I'm curious about like what, what the feedback that you received. F- from you know, from uh, non-indigenous audiences and also from indigenous people, you know, about you being yeah. on that show, and it's not just all about you know how you're the the Cree man. It's you know, it's mm-hmm. about how you're the you're you're one of the people having like yeah. wacky zany adventures, well, right? You know, <laughs> it, it's one of the it's a that Corgas is a blessing because the work that we all did uh, and it, how it affects our audience members is just it's it's what we're meant to do i mean we've gotten so much response from people who used the show to get through some very hard tragic times in their life and they they turn to corner gas to get some enjoyment and they and they can laugh and and love together you know grandparents and 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 grandchildren can watch the show together and they laugh together which is incredible medicine when you're able to do that with family it you know it it, it thickens the bonds because your humor is, is an, an international uh, human uh, medicine that just bounds you. When you share a good laugh with somebody, there's a bond there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, and that's and, and getting those letters from from fans. We just got a few recently uh, whose whose mom just passed away, uh, but they had her at home for last six months. She had Alzheimer's, mm. but uh, they would put on. She loved corner gas. And and she was even though she had uh, dementia, she was uh, able to know what what episode she'd seen before. She said, "No, I've seen that one before. It's very good. Let's watch it." You know, so the family got to spend the time with their their grandma, their mother, and and laugh together before she passed. So, you that's know that beautiful. those that's incredible gift. The show, you know, Brent created. Thank God for Brent and all the writers that make that show go. And uh, the wonderful cast that, you know, I get to play with every time. So yeah. That's, that's a blessing. 
Uh, when I auditioned for it, I walked into the audition room and there were like 30, 40 people in there, all stripes and sizes. They were looking for Davis. And there was short, fat, bald, tall, skinny, you know, blonde, brunettes, redheads. There were everybody. And I just went, oh, okay. Uh, I, I knew I wanted to do it because when I was reading the script I was sent, I was in a, in a cafe in, in Toronto reading it before the day before the audition to get, you know, and, uh, and, and I, I laughed out loud so many times and I got that Toronto look, people looking over, going, nice. what's wrong with him? Yeah. How come he's having so much fun by himself? <laughs> Where's his hands? Where's his hands? You uh, still live in but, Toronto. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so when I went in, it was like, and I was paired up with uh, another Karen who I'd never met before. And I don't know, it wasn't Tara. And, uh, and she chose to this portrayal of, of, of Karen, which was very butch and very gum chewing. Yeah. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, this audition's gonna suck because now I got I'm stuck with this person, and and there's and she's not, it's not working. What she's doing is not a good choice. Yeah. But uh, Brent played played uh, for the audition scene. Brent came in playing uh, Gabrielle's character. Uh, Brent played Lacey. Just for the read, yeah. <laughs> just, for, just for the read. So I was able to throw my first jolt in. It became a trademark thing after a while. Was, uh, when, when he came up and said, like, can I help you? And I looked, I went, oh, my. It just gave him one of those. And people at the table laughed. So I went, oh, that's good. And Brent was the creator. And he had a big smile on his face. So I went, oh. Because I, I never know. I never knew. The only person I knew uh, was, was Eric. And Janet, and just right. by reputation, Janet and her family. Uh, I knew Eric because we did some radio plays together in Toronto at CBC when they used to make radio plays. Ugh, so I'd they gotta bring the- those back. Yeah, oh, those were awesome. So, um, and then I knew one of the producers, David Story, I'd worked with on another series called Black Flag out, out in the East Coast. He mm-hmm. always made sure that, he said he always made sure that my headshot was somewhere in the mix. And then I went and did my audition and and then that was that, and I made them laugh, and said, okay, thanks, and left, and went, oh, that'd be nice to get, it'd be awesome, it'd be fun. Uh, yeah, we're gonna uh, let you know by the end of the week, which turned into four. <laughs> so I got a, I, I was doing a children's theater show uh, when I got the call, and they said, they want you, and I said, oh, great. Uh, I've just, you know, I've got two shows, and then I'm done this, and they said, no, no, they want you now. And this was a Monday, and I went, um, yeah, they want you to fly to Regina now, and I said, well, I can't. I've got two more shows. I'll be done on Friday. Uh, it's a morning show, so I'll be done by noon. And they said, no, no. They And I said, well, I, I can't do it because I'm doing this. I'm not going to ditch my people and, and leave them hanging and, uh, you know, cost them money. And he said, there's no, get your understudy. This is Canadian theater. We don't have understudies. <laughs> It's not like an episode or something, you know? We don't yeah. have understudies, so I am the understudy. I can't get <laughs> so they, sick and I can't leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, they, so they, they, were, they said, okay. So they got me a plane ticket out of Toronto at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So I finished my show, had my luggage with me, went to the airport, flew to Regina, and then waited for two days. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's when I met Tara for the first time. Oh, nice. Was, yeah, we were, we were outside waiting for our ride to come pick us up, take us to the studio, and I'd been in Regina a few times, so I knew I knew, knew my way around, and 
and I was looking over and there's this little wee girl with the biggest sunglasses I've ever seen. I went, mm-hmm. oh, she's got to be an actor. Yeah. Said, hey, are you an actor? And she goes, yeah. I said, corner guys? Said, yeah. I said, me too. So uh, I said, the studio's not far. You just want to walk there? So he said, yeah, okay. So we walked and we chatted for a bit. Then I found out she was in one of my favorite shows, New Waterford Girl. And I said, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I loved you. That was my, my favorite show. And a friend of mine was in it. So we talked about, you know, Gordon Patrick White for a while. And mm-hmm. he's a fantastic actor as well. And, and then we find out we're both January 6th. We're both left-handed. And, uh, and, and, and the way I think what I recall is the way that the characters of Davis and, and Sergeant Karen Pelly were written was that she was the flighty rookie and I was the down-to-earth sergeant who was stuck with this flighty rookie in this small town. And somewhere along the walk, we kind of switched roles without even knowing it. (laughs) And I became the flighty guy in charge and she's the down-to-earth rookie. And and the producer went, well, let's let's do some scenes here. And, and so we, we had to go in and it was kind of like auditioning again. And it's kind of like they were kind of went, okay, I think. And I said, I think that's the way it goes. What do you guys think? And they're going, yeah, yeah, let's keep that. And again, okay. And it's like, all right. And it was just one of those gifts again, you know. It's a just gift. Like, the whole show was yeah. like a lightning in a bottle and now yeah. it gets to continue. But I, I am yeah. I am curious though. I mean, you, you did talk about like the feedback that you received about that, you know, from that that family who they yeah. they watched. But yeah. what about from indigenous fans specifically? Yeah. You know, the fact that you are you were on the show, a huge contributor to the show that is this mega hit. Like what what yeah. do you think it I, because I can imagine that it meant a great deal to a lot of people, you know, that you were part it, of that. It, it did. It made people laugh. And, and, you know, Indigenous people are big laughers. We love a good laugh. And I was, you know, able to play this character that made people proud. And for kids to see Indigenous people on the screen makes them, uh, you know, see that anything is possible. And, yeah. and, I, and when I talk to kids in schools, when I go on school tours and stuff, I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I make sure that they understand that anything is possible. That's my closing kind of thing is anything is possible. You, you want it bad enough and you do the work. There is no shortcut to fame. Mm-hmm. There is no American Idol moment for the most rest of us. You know, there could happen to one or two people in the world, but it's not going to launch a career. You're not going to be the next Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. You, you have to work. And, and if you just sit at home thinking about things and not do anything about it, well, that's where that idea is going to stay at home. Yeah. You know, you, you have to put in the effort with the effort that what you put in is you will get out of it. So yeah. that's the, the important thing. Um, and, and seeing representation of yourself is also important. People don't understand seeing, uh, seeing another native person on screen has an effect, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and with that comes, comes responsibility. I believe like I have responsibility to, uh, the people coming up behind me to the people on the street. I always have time to say hello to somebody, uh, sign an autograph, take a selfie, whatever. I, I'll make some time because you don't know what that other person is going through. Yeah. Uh, and just by that simple act of saying, stopping, saying hi, acknowledging them as a fellow human being on this, on this journey that we're all on could save a life. And I don't, yeah. and I don't think that's, you know, over romantic, but it, literally can save a life i mean you gave an example of that literally at the beginning um i've i have watched 
quite a few uh, Mollies of Denali or Molly yeah. of Denali's. Uh, yeah. Nicole Oliver is one of my dearest yeah. friends. Oh, she's, um, she's I know brilliant. she's doing some voice directing on yeah. that. Uh, and I, I mean, also, it's just, it is such a deeply moving, fun show. Yeah, I'm learning yeah. so much from, from that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, and then also, you know, a very different kind of show, FBI Most Wanted, where, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a show, like, I, it's a, you know, the crime procedural, we don't often get to see, we have never gotten to see an indigenous family as is the central family, you know, yeah. in, in a show before, maybe if the crime procedural goes to like Montana and then they meet a native family. But like, you mm-hmm. know, so I, I just like to, like, you think we're in a, like, we're in a good place right now. Like we're like, I, I feel like we've come, like it's, it's good time, but like, is it an, like, what should the next goal be? Or, or like, you know, I mean, you talked about personal goals. What about goals yep. for representation, you know, of the next, the next step is, is the next step is getting more people above the line, which means getting more people of color in the executive producer position, the producer positions, you know, getting them to be the writers, the directors, yeah. the, the creators, and also following the story. And, and it doesn't matter what the story is, as long as new people are involved in the creating of it. It doesn't have to be set in the Wild West. It doesn't have to be about Native. It could be a mixed cast as you want, and it's a Native person telling their story through that medium. That's perfect. We don't all have to be limited to our stereotypical ideas, and we're still fighting that. We're still fighting yeah. stereotypes. And Hollywood is very good at, at looking, uh, looking like they're progressive. And very slow in actually making the changes. Very slow. You know, our African-American brothers are just breaking that now, you know, thanks to uh, uh, Ava. Ava DuVernay. Yeah. Yeah. And the work that she's doing. And there's a new series coming out called Rutherford Falls starring Ed Helms. Mm-hmm. Michael Gray Eyes is in it. Good friend of mine. And mm-hmm. it's native-based, native-produced, native-written. So more stories like that, you yeah. know. Uh, so we still a long way to go, but there is still this, you know, there is still fighting the Hollywood stereotype, you know, when you go in for an audition, you know, um, I, I was told recently on a movie that I auditioned for if I could do it with an accent. So I did it in a Swedish accent and they laughed and I kind of went, well, then I did a Scottish brogue and I said, what, you know, what kind of accent are you, what accent are you looking for here? You know, my, and they were like, um, <laughs> Um, I love it. That's yeah. how you show them. That's how you show them without yeah, being like, yeah. you guys are bigoted or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You guys That's... are stepping us backwards. Why do we got to, why do we have to tell the story with an accent? Why can't we just, I spent fucking four years in university trying to lose my accent through speech class and through this and that and taking my accent classes. So mm. why do, why, why do we have to, why do all the characters have to talk like they're just from the bush, huh? And talk that way just cause that's the way you think they are. It's yeah. like, it's ridiculous. So that and, and that and it, even though it was uh, it was an indigenous story, above the line credit, there was not one indigenous person, you know, uh, producing, directing, writing. And I'm going like, well, what the hell? And you're taking a very specific story, a residential school experience, being told by a non-native director and producer, and and you know, talented guys, talented people but it's not their story tell your own damn story you know yeah how about a story about complicity 
like stories yeah. about that because that's yeah. what your story is. Yeah. Um, uh, who are the the Vancouver filmmakers, local filmmakers that you're excited about? It's you know Indigenous filmmakers specifically because I'm super uh, excited, like I, I about like uh, Mary Galloway and yeah, yeah, yeah. Tail Feathers, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, and there's a uh, Jay Villain of Cardinal as well, who's who's uh, in the midst of you know creating his work, and there's uh, you know, uh, I had a great time with um, Kathleen Hepburn. Yeah, and yeah. Taylor. I think Taylor's their her partner. Taylor Hagen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Both those guys. See, that was an interesting audition for me, and and I'm and I'm glad I was able to do it. Um, I auditioned for it and uh, did did my thing, and then as I'm walking out, there's Tim Weber wait, looking, standing in the waiting room, reading for the same part, and he's dressed exactly like the person I thought they'd have in mind. I went, ah, there goes uh, <laughs> there goes the job, and yeah. Tim Weber is a brilliant actor, so well, ah, there he goes. But um, a day later. I think it was. Uh, I met uh, Kathleen and, and, and Taylor. They came up to me at the, at the Whistler Film Festival at some schmoozy mingly thing. Oh, yeah. Remember and, um, schmoozy mingly yeah. things? Those were fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then we had, we had a conversation. They said they loved my audition, but they, they were afraid of casting me. And I said, oh, why is that? Because the character is uh, an alcoholic and we don't want to portray an, uh, a native al alcohol. We don't want to go down that route with that character, but we loved your audition. I said, well, I thank them very much for their concern and their realization that that is a problem in the past. I said, but the problem with that is I think your character is very interesting. I know native alcoholics, <laughs> so they mm -hmm. do exist. This guy has a reason for drinking, so he's not a stereotype. He's a character with this problem and this history, yeah. which I think I can, I can play but I appreciate your concern and your awareness over it. But the problem with carrying that too far is that it stops us from working together. Mm. It stops us from being able to create something. So I have no problem with him being a drinker because I know why he drinks. So there's a reason there. It's not just a stereotype. It's a reason. And he's not drunk through the whole thing. It's just no. in a couple of scenes. He likes to, he likes to, you know, tipple. And I go like, so I understand it, but I also appreciate your concern and stuff. So they they gracious enough to hear it, and then they offered it to me and go, okay, yeah, let's, because that's the other danger of going too far of protecting and overcorrecting, uh, over, you know, PCing, that it can block some possible creativity that could happen. So, yeah. it, but the the key to that is dialogue, being yeah. able to talk to each other. And go, you know, and, and acknowledging what, what they were doing and what the way I saw it. I'd yeah. be portraying it so I don't have a problem with it as long as it's based in something, yeah. based in reality. And, you know, uh, opposed, uh, you know, contrast that to an audition for Motive when they phoned me up and said, hey, we want you to play a street guy for the show. A drunk, homeless street guy. And, that's, and then it was just one scene. I'd just give information and then that was that. They're going like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not playing that. Uh, that, and there was no offer, no dialogue or nothing. I go, no, I'm going to hold it for a guest uh, for a guest spot. Yeah. I deserve that. <laughs> I can do a guest spot, so I'm going to wait. So yeah, and that never happened. So yeah, uh, it and it won't fun. ever happen because they're no. not around anymore. Exactly. <sighs> so. 
Okay. I want to. Uh, and the other thing that about you know uh, the influences is Molly Abdenali. We got so many so much response from that too. There was a couple down in Texas. Uh, their little girl was watching the show, and uh, after the show, she came up and asked them, "Mom, Dad, do we have any ancestors?" Or they said, "What's an ancestor?" She said, "That's we see. What's an ancestor? Do we have any?" And so she, their parents are forced to interact and teach yeah. their children, and that's another you know gift, another medicine of being because kids are so bright and so inquisitive when they see Molly. That's uh, my friend Charlie Demers, his his daughter. Josephine yeah. is a big Molly fan and she's incredibly bright, bright, bright young person. And she's yeah. like six, <laughs> very bright. Yeah. But she loves Molly of Denali and, and they watch it together and stuff and they watch it together and she's able to ask her dad questions. And, and, you know, they're just such brilliant parents, Kara and Charlie, that they're, they're like, yes, ask questions. And they're such a brilliant girl with so much self-confidence. It's just an inspiring thing to see. Yeah. When are you happiest as an artist? Me? Um, when I'm on stage or when I'm directing something on stage, uh, when I'm creating, when I'm walking my dog out by the rivers here in Squamish, uh, when I see eagles feeding and uh, see the water flowing, it, uh, my spirit calms right down. Uh, uh, when my wife and I are talking and chatting and fighting and loving and all that. It's, uh, Dynamic tension. Yeah. That's, what I, yeah. that's what I call it. The, the fighting dynamic yeah. tension yeah. we do we'll have a lot of dynamic tension in our house <laughs> she's so smart she's so brilliant and she's so curious that's what in Monique inspires me something she's curious about she'll pursue it and then start excelling in it. Yeah. and then I'm just like I am a lazy hump <laughs> <laughs> I gotta do fine. something you know you, yeah. you you balance each other yeah, out. We play I'm guitar sure. together. You know, we, we, she's picked up piano. She's learning piano in, in between the business of setting up our production company through and through films where we want to, we have a slate of ideas and projects that we want to get done. And, and they're very interesting. We've got some interest from some Americans, uh, from American network on some of our ideas. So we're shows she's setting up uh, the, the bones of our company and we're looking at, doing international co-pros we're not so much you know uh canada is can can be a second window but it's really a small market in terms of the world so we're mm -hmm. focusing on international and uh american something where we can just tell our stories without having to be pigeonholed into one network or or one genre it's like no no we want to there's a bunch of stories we want to tell or you know a lot of Twisted thrillers and uh, comedies and, uh, you know, uh, uh, coming of age stories. And so we've got a slate of ideas that we're, we're working on trying to get our production feet. And she's such a brilliant producer. So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm teamed with the right person who can navigate our, our way through these. Like I'm learning about international markets and, and uh, you know, uh, foreign sea fluctuations. Eh, never thought I'd use that. Wow. Don't you need math words. for that? Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. I, I grin and bear it sometimes, and then I go. Well, if it's but, a money uh, thing, it's good to know the math. It is, and it's a yeah. business. So that's the business. bottom line is that we're in a business, and the business side has a lot to do. You can make the most beautiful, heartfelt thing, but if you don't have a marketing program or 
plan set up afterwards on how to do it digitally, internationally, and uh, translated, and all these things, and who's going to be the second window, and all these, you know, make sure that you've got the right uh, contracts in place to protect yourself, and, you know, and it's just like... It's a lot. It's a lot. After Um, you make the thing, that's when the work starts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know that. I know that just from my own experience Mm -hmm. in in my own little world. Um, let's, I've taken up so much of your time today. And honestly, I feel like we could talk all day. I really do. I really feel that. Um, but we can't and we won't. I do want to, I do want to acknowledge, um, the award that you won in December, the August Schellenberg award, and especially because, I mean, it's, it's always nice to win an award. This was an award that, that was that represents, you know, that was inspired by, you know, one of your dear friends. Yeah, what does this particular yeah. award mean to you? It's, it was such a, it's such an honor to be included with, you know, the likes of Tantu and, and Tom Jackson and, and Michael Gray Eyes and mm-hmm. Michelle Trash, you know, movers and shakers in our business and, and, and being recognized is it's so incredible. And, and just seeing, hearing Augie's laugh in my head and, you know, getting the phone call from Joan and having a chat with her and getting caught up and touching base. She's 83 and still vibrant and as, as ever. And You found um, out from Joan? Well, her and my wife were talking uh, about a month before and she told Monique and Monique kept it secret for me. But uh, Joan knew and she was quite, uh, quite tickled by it and very excited. And so I was able to, yeah. So it was a nice surprise when I did get the virtual email. Yeah, you know, wow. uh, vir- my first virtual award. It's, it's like, yeah. First of many, awesome. I'm sure. I can't yeah. believe Monique kept the secret too. That's yeah, me neither. Very She's a impressive. terrible secret keeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except now, apparently she, she took some lessons or something. I don't know. Now she's great at it. Fantastic. Lauren Cardinal, you are just a delight. I don't know well, if anybody's told you. you this, but you're a delight, sir. Thank um, you. Where, where can our listeners find you, follow you, celebrate you on the social media? I'm on all of them, and it's all Lauren Cardinal, either .com or, yeah, .com, or, or uh, web pages. Or we, we have a, yeah, page, web page on the Facebook. I don't do the personal profile anymore i started getting yeah. some wing nuts who wreck it for everybody and i also found facebook getting very negative so i couldn't yeah. uh i don't need negativity so i just pushed that to the side don't need it i'm trying not to be a slave to social media i understand yeah. the importance of it for business and, and keeping your presence active and i try and you know i submit some pictures that i take some t- i haven't done it for a while just because i've you know been it's covid man there's a pandemic going on so there's a lot of things really like, okay. really is there <laughs> I'm Listen, I inside and and uh, stay safe and play guitar <laughs> and talk to friends over the phone and over Zoom and uh, and 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 just keep keep myself and, and try and keep my uh, my acting muscles. Uh, I'm reading a lot, so um, and and trying to get things going for the next year. So you know, start reading a, a play soon, so I can get bone up on that. So yeah. I can hit the ground running and try not to put on a bunch of pandemic weight is the other thing. Hey, you gotta love yourself. Gotta love I all know, of yourself, even the extra pandemic weight. Okay. That's the, what I'm Doritos love me. Doritos love me. <laughs> we have to do what we have to do to That's get through. It. And also and promise. 
Oh, sorry. I was going to say, just sorry. promise me you'll start an Instagram account for your puppy because oh, I would yeah. follow that. <laughs> I would Jake follow Kirk. that. He's so beautiful. Yes. Um, the other thing before we uh, is is the uh, theater network in Edmonton, the Roxy Theater. It got burnt down in 2014, maybe something like that. A fire happened, and it's a very historic building and stuff. And uh, so now they've rebuilt it with a two theater space in the building. The main space is the Nancy Power Theater, which is the 250 seat theater, and they have a black box space, which they're naming after me. So it's the Yay! one Cardinal Black Box Theater. That's where the fun stuff happens is in the black box theater. (laughs) It's another huge, huge honor. And uh, they asked me what would you like to see in there? And I said, I want it to be a safe space. I want it to be a welcoming space. And I want it to include uh, older actors and the up and comers where they can come practice their craft in safety. And, and also not only in safety, because that's kind of limiting, but also free to blow the walls off. Thank you for joining us, Lauren. And thank you to our listeners. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you're so inclined. They help us find even more listeners. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YBR Screen Scene. The YBR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me. I'm Sabrina Firminger, and it's edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad, and to Paul Firminger for technical support. We really are a family business over here. And to Dane, not Firminger, Devilay for the original music. Love your screen scene is a division of Fishlight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic, dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.